The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Christians are beginning to be hated by the leadership of our nation. They are considered radicals. Now, there's a piece in the Daily Caller, June 15, 2016. I want to reference this quickly as a backdrop for the message today coming out of the book of Hebrews. Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Johnson, who heads that, has taken a position that is very concerning to me. One month after the San Bernardino terrorist attack that left 14 innocent people dead, the Secretary Johnson told advisors that right-wing extremists pose just as much of a threat to the country as Islamic extremists. Johnson made the comments during the Homeland Security Advisory Council January meeting. Now, the city of Austin mayor, Art Avanceo, whom Johnson appointed to the Homeland Security shifted the discussion to the threat of right-wing extremists according to the official meeting minutes. This mayor reminded the council that the threat from right-wing extremists domestically is just as real as the threat from Islamic extremism, the minutes of the meeting say. Secretary Johnson echoed the sentiment and agreed and noted that the definition of extremism is not solely focused on one religion. No, it's not. They are frankly calling Christians extremists, right-wing extremists. There is a war developing in America against conservative, Bible-believing Christians. Why? Well, there are some who would argue that the left progressive movement in America is trying to maintain its power base and that it is really about elections and power. I want to tell you that is a very shallow understanding of what's going on. The truth is that President Obama and other top administration officials in the Department of Homeland Security and in other administrative agencies 
literally hate the position of righteousness that Christians take in America. They want to transform America into a global, one-world government. The scriptures were very clear that this would happen, that an antichrist would arise, and we are watching as that baseline structure is being brought into reality in America and in the Western world. We are watching not them grabbing for power, for power's sake. Rather, they are grasping for power for the levers of power in the American government so as to destroy the basic Christian culture, the Judeo-Christian culture that has been the foundation of righteousness upon which America has been built. So they are flooding into this nation Islamic warriors They are flooding into this nation teachings on transgenderism and homosexuality. They are bringing into the schools every wicked thing while banning anything of the Christian faith or righteousness. They are lifting up the eugenics agenda that held sway in Nazi Germany. The progressive left hates black people, even though they have been dumbed down and vote for President Obama. But if you look simply at what he has done and what his progressive agenda has been in this nation, unemployment is skyrocketing for black youth. Most of the babies that are aborted are black babies. There is an agenda of hatred toward people of color. And Jesse Jackson and those of his ilk have been paid well to be shills for the destruction of their own people. Now, I recognize that what I'm saying is quite controversial, and some of you may grow very angry, but I do not come to this radio broadcast in order to make you happy, but I come to say there is an angry, consistent, demonic attack against the Christian church in America. And the American church has been flooded with pastors who are more business people than they are pastors. They are more entertainers and program managers than they are shepherds of the sheep. And they have skinned the sheep. They have sold the sheep. 
and they are destroying the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in America. They are teaching a Gnostic gospel, a gospel of the sinning Christian, and saying that the righteousness of Jesus is simply a covering, not recognizing that it is indeed the blood of Jesus Christ that completely washes away our sin and brings us into a place of righteousness, of true righteousness in Jesus So the news media has been bought by the progressive left, and they sound so erudite and so reasonable, and they are so wicked. ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, they're all owned by the corporations that are moving toward the one-world government. They are not the friend of Christians. They are against Christians. So into all of this mix comes the homogenization of our culture with utter wickedness to sear the mind of every person, to turn the mind of every person toward entertainment, toward the Kardashians, toward Beyonce, toward other wicked people to captivate the heart with the wicked movies and the garbage can of the theaters. We're facing a total onslaught of destruction against the body of Christ. And if you think that you can go to church and simply listen and watch, and be entertained, and leave with some little tidbit about how you can have a more successful life, if you have been dumbed down to such an extent that you think the church is about a social meeting where you can hook up and do business and and go out to lunch and have social relationships with other people, and you think the church is a place of inspiration like the Kennedy Center If you think the church is about entertainment, then you have lost touch with Jesus Christ. And I've been saying very strongly to you, if you're serious about Jesus, you need to come out of that kind of foolishness, and you need to come to the National Prayer Chapel. Now, why do I say that? I say it for two reasons. First, I say it for your salvation because you will grow exponentially in a true Christian church where the entire focus is on Jesus and his shed blood and being made righteous as a gift of grace, not as a shell game of pretend, but in actual reality to be transformed, to be metamorphosed, to be brought into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's the first reason. There is a second reason. The second reason is that you can gather together with like-minded men and women who are going to sacrifice their time and their money and their energy to organize together in prayer and fellowship to do the work of the gospel in standing against this 
flood of vile wickedness that is pouring out on every side to come out and be separate and stand in loving kindness toward the world, inviting the world to come out and be separate with you. You see, the church is a body. The church is not an institution. It's not a business. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. Now, I named this broadcast today, I titled this broadcast today, The Work of Christ. Well, what is the work of Christ? Let me read it for you from the scriptures. Galatians, the first chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 3. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Now, what was the evil age that was being spoken of? It was the evil age of the Roman government. It was from the evil age that was much like our age, except that we have gone even beyond what the Romans did in their sin. The Romans did not kill their babies. You understand? The work of Christ is to rescue us from this present evil age. Now, let me break down some of the Greek words. The word rescue in the Greek is a verb. It's an action. And it literally means to pluck out, to draw out, or to root out. So the work of Christ in this age is to pluck you out of the wickedness you are caught in in this culture. The work of Christ is to draw you out of the entertainment of this age. The work of Christ is to root you out. To bring you out of this world and out of the false church of our day, the cheap believism of today so that there is a radical position in your heart where you are no longer simply an attendee at church. But you are actually a part, a visible, operative part of the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus' work is to rescue us from a prayerless life. Jesus' work is to rescue us from hard-heartedness. The work of Jesus Christ is to draw us out of our depression and our discouragement. It is to draw us out of our passivity. 
It is to draw us into his body where the Holy Spirit rules in power and in authority. And we are called then to join together with Christ in his work of redemption in this wicked age. Not to touch the wicked age. Not to participate in the entertainment of the day. Oh, but pastor, didn't you know? There's nothing wrong with the History Channel. No, there's probably not. I don't watch it. I don't have a television. But once caught in that, what do you do with the ads? And then what do you do with the programming that at times turns vile and evil? And what do you do with the football games and the baseball games and the... What do you do with the professional sports and all that is vile that is associated with them? What do you do with the news 24-7 that is filled with violence and wickedness? The Lord says to me, don't even look upon violence. Because everything that I bring into my heart and my mind is brought into the throne room of God because I am connected to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is grieved by vile wickedness and leaves. And so some of you have a form of godliness. (coughs) Pardon me. You have a tradition of godliness. Passed down, perhaps, from grandma and grandpa, great-grandma and grandpa. You've always been Baptist, or you've always been Presbyterian, or you've always been a Roman Catholic. None of that works today. <coughs> You'll have one church in even the assemblies of God that will be righteous and holy, and then you'll have an assemblies of God church that is sold out to darkness. You can no longer go by denominational recognition. You'll have a Presbyterian church that teaches righteousness and holiness, even though they believe in eternal security, but they don't believe that you can walk in sin and still claim you're saved. And then you'll have a Presbyterian church that is totally filled with vile lies. The work of Christ is to rescue us from this present evil age. The word evil, pain, labor, hardship, danger, Your future endangered. So it says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And then he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting, apostatizing from, 
the one who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There is a different gospel being taught today. It is a social gospel. It is a a gospel of feel good. It's a gospel of prosperity. It's a gospel of, of ritual. It has no power of God in it. It is a place where you go and attend and listen to the smooth words, to the entertainment, to the song, and to the dance. So much so that a church will even specialize in Broadway-quality music, Jericho City of Praise, and other places like that. Paul says, how can you so quickly apostatize and turn? Well, most of you have never really been in church. The church you've been in has been a manifestation of the American culture. And so you think that the church of today is the normal life of the church. And it's not. It's an apostate church in America. Look, how could the vile flood of evil come into America if there were preachers of righteousness standing in the pulpits, drawing the line and saying, no. If preachers were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ that separates us from the world and calls us out of wickedness. How could America have been so turned against righteousness? De Torqueville, the great French historian, said America is is good because its people are good, because its pulpits flame with righteousness. And then the time came when we said, all these fire and brimstone preachers, we got to get rid of them. We've got to have somebody who, who talks in a way that is acceptable to the modern culture. Well, I'll admit that many of the fire and brimstone preachers were only following the culture of their granddaddies, and they were not righteous. Let's be honest. A.A. Allen, the great preacher of the past, in the end succumbed back to his alcoholism. And I could name others. Oral Roberts when he started, was a proclaimer of righteousness. In the end, he was protecting his own empire and speaking foolishness and not confronting sin because he was compromised with darkness. And there were many others. 
We're in a new age and a new day that is very, very dark. And if your concern is not that you be rescued from all darkness, you are missing the work of Jesus Christ. But if that's all you're concerned about, you have also missed Jesus Christ because he wants us first to be rescued from this evil age, and then he wants us to join together in the body of Christ to rescue others from this evil age. Are you working to save the lost, or are you only concerned about yourself? And so, yes, I am boldly inviting you to come to the prayer chapel, and I'm inviting you to join together with other Christians who are walking in this to be utterly rescued from this evil age and who now have a heart to cry out to God for America. And the cry of the prayer chapel is, O God, bring judgment to America, but not judgment unto destruction, but judgment unto revival and salvation and a turning of the nation's heart. I can tell you today, no human person will be able to ever undo the wickedness that has transpired in the last years. It will only be by the power of the Holy Spirit bringing full blast revival to convict men of their sins and to cause men and women and children to weep before the Lord over their casualness and their worldliness and their wickedness. Now, I am going to open the telephone lines, but I'm also going to the book of Hebrews. If you want to be a part of this broadcast, our phone number in studio is 877-534-0780, and I apologize in advance for WAVA AM and the poorness of the technical quality Our Our producer is working as hard as he can to synthesize and put together a quality technical broadcast. He does an awesome job with what he's fighting with. But yesterday we had a terrible time with getting callers modulated so that we could hear and understand. It was not the producer's fault. It's called... Technical equipment that has not been properly tuned. So please pray for Weva and pray that callers today can be heard and understood. I am not going to let Satan steal from us what God wants to accomplish. And so I'm not going to withhold the phone number and say, don't call. I'm going to do just the opposite call, and let's work through this technical haywire mess. So please call 877-534-0780 if you would like to share or you would like to be prayed for, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you. 
Now in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, it begins to speak about the high priest chosen, that no high priest chooses himself, he is appointed. Jesus did not take the honor upon himself, he was appointed. He was appointed as a priest after the order of Melchizedek. I'm not going to get into Melchizedek today, but soon we need to spend some time on who he was and what he was. But let's begin today with chapter 5 of Hebrews, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission or his reverent koinonia, reverent fellowship, where he was going to stay in fellowship with the Father. He was going to trust him regardless of how he felt. He was going to rely totally upon his God. And in the midst of that, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. You understand, the work of Christ is to rescue us from this present age so that we do not suffer the second death. If you have no fear of death, the second death, it is because you are either totally in Jesus Christ or you are totally a fool and do not know the danger you are in and do not know the punishments of hell that will come upon your life if you suffer in the second death. There is nothing more serious that I can speak with you about than being rescued from this present evil age, and that is the work of Jesus. It is literally to rescue us from a life of sin, of filthiness, of casualness, of entertainment. It is the work of Christ to root us out of that, and it's not always pretty. Jesus was without sin, and yet he constantly was offering up prayers and petitions accompanied by loud cries and tears because he was facing death. And he knew that his life had to be representative and acceptable before the Father as the atoning life. He knew he was going to die, but he did not want to be separated eternally from the Father. He wanted his atonement to be accepted. And so as a man... He was fully God, but he was fully man. And as a man, he wept before God. You remember when he was in the Garden of Eden, 
It says he was in such pressure that he sweat blood. He sweat blood. You see, we have been altogether too casual. Altogether too casual. You understand, I'm saying to you today that the work of Christ is to take us out of this casual lifestyle. The work of Christ is to pluck us out of having our eyes focused on this world and to put our full attention on Jesus so that our our thoughts are constantly on Jesus Christ and not on the wicked age we're a part of. We are called to be separate from this wicked age, to come out and be separate. Some of you actually believe that you can walk in the filth of this world and still go to heaven. You think you can walk in the casualness and go to the clubs and lie and cheat and steal, commit fornication, go to the porno sites. Some of you actually believe that you can participate in all the things of darkness in this culture and then claim, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus and I'm on my way to heaven. You have been utterly deceived. The work of Christ is to rescue us from this wicked, evil age. Have you been rescued? Have you been rescued from this evil age? (coughs) Are you still walking in it? Are you still participating in the things of darkness? Are you still feasting on the things of darkness? Is the desire of your heart still for money and prestige and power and recognition? Is the cry of your heart still that people would worship you? Are you still walking in sin and rebellion against God? Then Jesus' work is to rescue you from this evil age. He is willing. Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and was heard because of his reverent fellowship with God. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. There is no learning of obedience without suffering. There is none. 
I want to read for you from another passage in Scripture. It's found in Galatians. This is Galatians, the second chapter, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now, let's be very honest. There is great suffering involved in crucifixion. It is not a cakewalk. He says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained from the law, Christ died for nothing. Christ was crucified. He made the atonement. And now you can only enter in by being crucified with Christ. What's that mean? It means my inclination is to grow angry when someone offends me. I was standing in line at Panera's two days ago for lunch, and a line formed. I was the head of the line, and as I was ready to go forward to the cashier, a man stepped out of the out of the people, not in line, but just the people in the store, and he stepped right in front of me and placed his order. And in my heart, I wanted to say to this man, is it always your custom to cut line and step in front of other people? Weren't you taught differently? And the Holy Spirit said to me, do you have a right to be angry? And I said, no. (laughs) No, I don't. To give up my rights is crucifixion. In very small ways. I was told by a wife that her husband had called her a horrible person. And she was heartbroken along with many other mean things. And she said, what do I do, Pastor? I said, you go to Jesus and you tell Jesus all about it. And you love your husband. Well, I don't feel like loving him. Give your anger to Jesus and pray for your husband that he will be transformed by the grace of God. Well, he can talk about Jesus all the time, but he doesn't act like Jesus. Don't accuse your husband. Pray for him. Show him kindness. That's being crucified. 
Being crucified means that we give up our own self-preservation. We make Jesus first. We don't retaliate with angry words or accusations or bitterness. When our boss does not treat us as we think we should be treated and speaks in a way that seems to be condescending, arrogant, do we grow angry? Anger is the single greatest issue that many of you face. Because life doesn't work the way you think it should work. Crucifixion is when we give that anger to Jesus and ask him to remove it from our hearts. There's always the curiosity button we can push. There's always the mercy button that we can push. We have choices. We don't have to be angry and bitter. There are other choices we have. As we're in Jesus Christ. So Paul is saying. Verse 18. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. We are called to live for God, not for ourselves. To live for God. And so Christ calls us to his work. To first allow Christ to rescue us from this present age of vile wickedness. And then secondly, to help rescue others. And in this, we're going to have to go in the prayer closet and we're going to have to offer up prayers and petitions with loud cries and with tears to Jesus who can save us from death, from the second death. And we're going to be heard as we are in reverent fellowship with Jesus, even as he was in reverent fellowship with the Father. And we are going to learn obedience from what we suffer. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, tells us about the discipline of God. It tells us to take every difficulty as discipline from God. And then he says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. I want you to hear clearly what I just said to you. This is Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the ninth verse. And once made perfect, once made mature. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who 
obey him. Not all who believe in him. Not all who confess his name. To all who obey him. You see, when Jesus Christ does his work and he plucks us out of the vile wickedness of our age and he brings us into crucifixion, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus, by his shed blood, we are empowered to obey him, to walk righteous, to walk clean, to be filled with his spirit. Because of his his testimony, because of his obedience, because of his submission, he was made our high priest. Now, Paul says, or the writer of the book of Hebrews says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. See, this is what I'm trying to say to you today. The work of Christ is to rescue us from this present evil age. We are rescued from this present evil age and crucified with Christ and made righteous so that we become acquainted with the teaching of righteousness. And by practice, we come to understand what it means to be righteous before God because it is the will of God that we be righteous. And we are then called to be teachers of righteousness. So there is first, as we open to the broadcast today, there is first our being rescued from this present evil age. Then secondly, we join together with Christ in the church, rescuing others from this wicked evil age. So why do I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel? First and foremost, because there you will be rescued by Jesus Christ from this present wicked and evil age. In the National Prayer Chapel, you will learn and develop and practice the walk of righteousness. And then you will become a teacher of, of righteousness. When you become mature, you will become a worker for Jesus Christ in the work of redemption. And you will, with Christ, help pluck men and women, boys and girls, from the power of this vile, evil age. Now, you notice today I have not been very politically correct. 
Our nation is being flooded, even as Israel was flooded during the reign of Solomon. Because of his wicked leadership in the nation, because of his building altars to Moloch and the burning of babies, invaders began to come into the kingdom of Israel. Until finally the nation was divided in two. And you had Judah and you had Israel. Finally, Israel was taken into captivity to Assyria, and Judah was finally taken into captivity to Babylon. America is facing the same awful consequences for its sin. Today, we don't burn the babies, we abort the babies. (laughs) Same difference. Same pain for the baby. Same same anguish. Mr. Producer, were you trying to say something? Five minutes. Five minutes. To understand, in this evil age, In this age when America is being filled with every kind of filthy darkness, you can no longer be casual about Jesus Christ. You're not going to be able to live on grandpa and grandpa's theology or grandpa and grandma's church attendance. You're going to have to take a stand against the powers of darkness, both in the political realm, in the entertainment realm, in the murder of babies, in the abortion factories in America that are utterly Nazism. There is a holocaust today of our babies. How is that possible? Except by vile wickedness among the top leaders of our nation. In our courts, in our, in our Congress, in the executive branch. The Republicans have gone along with the vile wickedness just as the Democrats have. There's no difference. They could be one party. They're both vile and wicked. It's time to take a stand against the wickedness of our age, against the darkness of our age. Will you take that stand? Part of how you can take that stand is by financially supporting this radio broadcast. This broadcast needs to be on the FM side of the dial in the main street of Washington, D.C. That's going to take a great deal of financial resources. I don't have it. 
I'm praying and standing by faith that God will send it. Two minutes, Pastor. I want to give you the address where you can participate with the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to come this Sunday. We begin our service at 12 noon. And then we move after prayer into testimony, the preaching of the word. It's at All Saints Anglican Church, 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Lord, I have spoken your word honestly today to your people. I ask now that you would quicken it by your Holy Spirit and bring forth the fruit of righteousness in my brothers and sisters that they would know the presence of Jesus in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, thank you. I worship and praise you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. For the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy. To the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Is a Christian education.